Welcome to the Liquid Church Podcast, a place where you can hear the timeless truth of God's Word in a way that's culturally relevant and cutting edge. Today, you're tuning in for our series, Crazy Happy. In this series, we'll journey through Jesus' most famous message, the Sermon on the Mount, and discover the keys to finding the deep happiness we all crave. It's our hope this message will help you discover how God's story relates to your own and that you'll leave feeling encouraged. Thanks for joining us today and enjoy the message. Does your world feel like it's upside down? What would it take to make you truly happy? Is it simply about having a good job? A big house? Losing 10 pounds? Or being in a fulfilling relationship? Did you know that God wants you to be happy? Not the world's version of happiness. What if it's not about the contents of your bank account? but the contents of your heart. What if it's not about what you can do, but what God can do through you? God wants you to have a blessed life. God wants you to be crazy happy. Hey guys, welcome to Liquid Church. I'm Pastor Tim. So glad you're here for week three of our series, Crazy Happy. We're digging into the Beatitudes or the blessed attitudes that Jesus taught in his famous Sermon on the Mount. And today, you're in for a treat. I'm excited to introduce you to my good friend, Pastor Daniel Fusco. Now, Pastor Daniel pastors an amazing church in Vancouver, Washington. It's called Crossroads Community Church, and he also wrote a book called Crazy Happy, which helped inspire this series. He told me about it last year, and I love this book, and I know you're going to enjoy Pastor Daniel. Now, there's a lot to love. First off, look at that hair, okay? These are the best dreadlocks in Christendom. <laughs> Secondly, Daniel is a Jersey guy. He was born and raised here. Although he serves as lead pastor in Vancouver, Washington, he was born and raised in the Garden State. So he's a Jersey boy. He's a graduate of Rutgers University. Go Scarlet Knights. Now, Pastor Daniel and I, we were last together in Colorado speaking at a pastor's conference together. And he told me about his book. His joy is contagious. And I said, Daniel, we need to share you with the rest of Liquid Church. So today he's going to be teaching week three of our series, Crazy Happy. I'll be back next week preaching live, but today you're in for a treat. So church, let's give a big warm liquid welcome to my good friend and brother, Pastor Daniel Fusco. What's happening, Liquid Church? My name is Daniel Fusco, and I am so excited to be joining you today. I would have loved to have been there in person but I'm here in the Pacific Northwest. I get the pleasure of pastoring a great church called Crossroads Community Church, which is in Vancouver, Washington. Not Vancouver, Canada. Everybody always says, I love Vancouver, BC. I'm like, yeah, I don't really live there. But I'm super excited to be there with you because guess what? Even though I live in Vancouver, Washington, I am a Jersey boy. That's right. Born and raised Monmouth and Middlesex County. But listen, I have been a big fan of Liquid Church for a really, really long time. To see what God has been doing in and through you all has been extraordinary. Having been born and raised in New Jersey, and it was so great to finally meet Tim. And we just hit it off, just like instantly fast friends, just uh, loving, you know, just had the fellowship in the spirit and also just watching and talking about what God's been doing in Liquid, talking about what God is doing out here at Crossroads. And so I'm just so delighted to be there. And I really wish, I look forward to being there in person. You know, it's funny when I go guest speaking different places, because I'm from New Jersey, I always have to tell people like, hey, listen, I'm all Italian from New Jersey because you know, we kind of freak people out sometimes, but I don't have to do that with you guys. You guys are there in New Jersey at all the different campuses and online. And because you're from New Jersey, 
it's the only place in the world that I'm super normal. I mean, how cool is that? So I don't even have to tell you anything like, hey, listen, if I get loud, it's not, I'm not yelling at you, but I'm from New Jersey, you know? And so you guys get it. And so this is going to be a great time. And listen, I'm super stoked because you guys are doing this series called Crazy Happy. And the reason I'm super stoked is because I just released a book called Crazy Happy, Nine Surprising Ways to Live the Truly Beautiful Life, where we look at Guess what? The Beatitudes. Now, in my book, I take the Beatitudes and the fruit of the Spirit and we put them together because there's eight Beatitudes. Really, there's nine because the last one is tied into the eighth one. Most people take it together, you know, but there's nine of them and then there's nine fruit of the Spirit. When you put it together, we explore God's crazy plan for our happiness. And then listen, Pastor Tim's already told you, I want to tell you again, listen, God wants you to be happy, right? The Bible teaches it unequivocally. The Bible says that happier are the people whose God is the Lord. That's Psalm 144, verse 15. It's a classic, classic, classic verse. Or it says, blessed is the man whose sin is forgiven. The person who's forgiven, guess what? That word blessed, it means happy. And I always say, everybody in the world wants to be happy. There's a reason why McDonald's never sold a sad meal. Could you imagine that going into McDonald's and be like, yeah, I'll have the sad meal. You know, it's got, it's got, it's got a little burger, some fries, and a box of tissues. I mean, nobody wants that. They sold a happy meal for a reason. And so God wants you to be happy. But we've been saying it, and Pastor Tim's been teaching it. I want to share with you, listen, God's plan for happiness is found in unique places, surprising places. And really when you look, as you have been in the Beatitudes, right, this beautiful passage in Matthew chapter 5, these different blessed are the different characteristics Almost all of these characteristics, when you read, you think to yourself, seriously? Like, it's like, we know that Jesus is real. We know that he is God in flesh. We know that he's the savior of the world. But when it relates to Jesus's plan for happiness, we just don't think he's very smart sometimes. Because nobody ever says the things that you have been studying. Like, you've already learned, right? Oh, how happy, how crazy happy is the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I mean, there's never been a self-help book about happiness where the person said, hey, guess what? You want to be happy? It begins with humility. I mean, has anyone ever said that before? Only Jesus. That's how he begins. The crazy happy person is the humble person, the poor in spirit person. You look at the second beatitude. Crazy happy are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. What? I mean, that's crazy. I mean, because most of us think, and our culture teaches, that if you're going to be happy, right, happiness is actually the absence of sadness. Jesus says, no, actually, no. The crazy happy person grieves, mourns, because they love. They see their own brokenness, the brokenness of the world, right? And, 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 they, and, and they incorporate in their life, because once you mourn, then God brings comfort to your life. See, all of these beatitudes... They point to God's plan for happiness that is not the way we would expect it. And really what I want to encourage you is I want to encourage you to choose God's plan for happiness, which I like to call crazy happy. Surprising. It's unique. And so today I get to share with you the next two Beatitudes on the list. So if you have a Bible, I want you to read along. If you have a, a Bible app, or I'm sure the, the, the info is going to come on screen. So I have Matthew chapter 5, verse 5, and Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. Listen to what it says. Matthew 5, 5. It says, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, 
for they shall be filled. Now, I want to do this again, but as you've been doing, I want you to insert crazy happy for each one. So look at Matthew 5, 5. Crazy happy are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And then Matthew 5, 6. Crazy happy are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Now, I'm super excited to unpack this for you because, man, like, as, as I've been studying this and got to write the book about it, as I talk about this with people in all these different places, I'm always loving the fact that Jesus's plan and Jesus's teaching is so unique. So when it talks about blessed are the meek, oh, how happy, how crazy happy are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Here's what I want to let you know. First and foremost, meekness is not weakness. Meekness is not weakness. Now, I already told you this, but I'm all Italian. So like, you know, you guys know, sometimes when I'm traveling around, I say, listen, whatever your picture of the all Italian people from New York, that's my family. And it totally is, right? Now, what's amazing is, is I grew up in such a oppressively loving, loud, noisy, in-your-face family. And I'm here to tell you, Nobody talked about meekness. Meekness was not even a part of the equation. Because if you define the word meekness, the best definition for meekness is strength under control. Like, really, meekness is true strength. Because when you, somebody who is meek is somebody who is strong, but chooses not to exercise that strength in such a way that might be seen as strong aggressive, harsh, or tyrannical. Wow. So really, the idea of meekness is someone who is strong but has that strength under control. Now, you can imagine. So growing up, every Sunday evening at my house was Sunday night dinner, or most of you would call it a big family party. But everybody in my family, meet my mom and my dad, my twin sister Jody, my older sister Trish, we had to be there. We could bring whoever we wanted to bring, but, but, but you had to be there. And then all the aunts, uncles, and cousins would come from all over the place. You know, like I had my Uncle Sonny coming from Staten Island, my Aunt Arlene and Aunt Francine. They were coming on in from Long Island. Then you had the people scattered around Jersey, and we would all be together. And man, you never saw such crazy chaos in your life as a Sunday night dinner. You know, it's funny, I, I love to watch, I know you do too, Blue Bloods, right? You watch, you know, good, 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 good family there, cops in New York, you know, and I always say they have their, they have their Sunday night dinner, but it's always just the family, like the immediate family. I'm like, ha, ha, my, my kids are like, is that what your family was like? I'm like, no, no. Because my family is just wall-to-wall -wall people. People are crowded around the table. Every table's got people around it. There's people eating and yelling. They're really not yelling. They're talking. But you know how it is. And there's just so much noise going on. And I always remember my Uncle Sonny from Staten Island. When you're all Italian, you always have an Uncle Sonny from Staten Island. I know some of you do as well. I remember my Uncle Sonny, he would always, he'd always like to poke at you. He'd always poke at you. You know, and, and growing up, you realize that if you showed your vulnerability, he'd just poke at you forever. So he'd always be starting some trouble. And at some point in the dinner, somebody would lose their mind because Sonny was poking at him, poking at him. And I'll never forget, they get all mad at him, and Sonny would just kind of breathe in, shake his head. Now, I used to always watch him do that. And I'm like, Uncle Sonny, why do you do that? He's like, 
I created the problem. I don't want to make it worse by blowing up. And, I, and I, what I realized was that as crazy as it sounds, my uncle Sonny was kind of meek. He knew, I mean, he could mix it up with the best of them, but he knew in certain situations, him getting involved was going to be a problem. Him blowing up because someone else blew up is a problem. And nobody ever said, hey, listen, you want to be happy, you have to learn how to control your strength. Now listen, I realize that when you're in Jersey, it's where the weak are killed and eaten. You know, I remember I had a buddy who, who worked as the regional director for Campus Crusade for Christ. And they used to go to their, their national meeting and they'd have a, a shirt that said, Jersey Crew, where the weak are killed and eaten. And he used to tell me, he's like, people would say, you can send me anywhere, just don't send me to Jersey, right? Because people in New Jersey are strong, not meek, by socialization. But the thing is, is not only are we all from New Jersey or live in New Jersey, but we're children of God. And what I love so much about Jesus is Jesus accepts us just as we are, but he loves us too much to keep us that way. And really what Jesus is saying is that happiness comes from learning how to control your emotions. And what's really beautiful is, is for me, not only was my Uncle Sonny a, a version of meekness, but really my bride, Lynn. So I'm so blessed. My, I, I can't believe I get to be married to this amazing woman. She's, my bride, Lynn, is an, is an angel with skin on. She's like, literally, she's the kindest person that I've ever met. We've been married for 17 years. And if there was salvation by works, Lynn would get in because she's been stuck with me. We have these three great kids. We have Obadiah, he's 16, and our daughter Maranatha is 13. And then we have our youngest, Annabelle, who's seven. She's me and a little cute girl who sucks her thumb, and she's a maniac, and we love her to death. But my bride, Lynn, is meek. I remember when many, many, many years ago, I got to plant a church in New Jersey. And I remember my wife, she's from uh, California, Northern California. And I remember that, you know, when she moved on over, you know, some of the ladies were, were you know, they're strong, you know, they know what they want. You know, you know those Jersey girls, they know what they want, they'll tell you what they want. And if you don't agree with them, they'll make you agree with them. You know what I'm talking about. This is the way we, we, we live, right? And I remember one of the ladies came up to me, strong sister in the Lord. And she came up to me, she's like, man, Pastor Daniel, I'm like, what? She's like, your wife is meek. And I'm like, yeah. And she's like, and meekness is not weakness. Your wife is strong woman, but you would never know. She's so kind and gentle. And I'm like, I said to her, I'm like, blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth, right? And she's like, yeah. How is she like that? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know how she's like that. But, but in a lot of ways, I see it reflected back to me every single day in my own bride. And I know that God's plan for happiness involves us having the strength that we have, but having it under control. Of course, Jesus, in speaking of himself, called himself meek. Listen to Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 30. It's a classic verse. Jesus says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, don't miss that. Right in the middle, Jesus says, for I am meek and lowly in heart. I am meek and I have that poverty of spirit. Like Jesus himself places himself right in the middle of the Beatitudes as characteristics of who he is. And he's saying, listen, 
anybody can come to me. Those who have been laboring hard, those who are weighed down by all the cares of the world. And Jesus is saying, I'll give you rest. He's like, you can take my yoke upon you. And that was a, a, a picture from agriculture where you'd have these beasts of burden. They'd have these, these yokes. And, and there would be, it, it, so you can maximize the strength of multiple of these animals. Right? So you put this yoke so they could go together. Take my yoga and learn from me. He's like, because I'm meek and I'm lowly in heart. And really what Jesus is inviting each one of us to is to, is to be re-yoked. All of us are yoked to this world and to, our, and to the things that we go through. But he's saying, come to me and take my yoke. He's like, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I believe that this is a word for some of you right now. I believe that there's some of you who are watching this right now. Maybe you're online. Maybe you're in one of the campuses right now. And you are feeling just weighed down by everything. Let, let alone the COVID stuff and, all, and, all, and, and the quarantines and all this. But just life's got you weighed down. The job. The lack of the job. The family life. The lack of the family life. The, the, the health struggles. The financial struggles. And you're feeling just pressed down. And Jesus is saying, listen, will you come to me? Because my yoke is easy. He's like, I want to lighten your burden because of who I am, because of what I've done through my death on the cross and my resurrection. And I believe that for some of you right now, you're hearing this and you've never before come to Jesus. And it's time for you to say yes to Jesus, to put your faith and trust in him because he's meek. Jesus is textbook meekness. Now what's amazing is I think about this word meekness and I was so aware of how I had only ever heard the word meekness one other time in my entire life before I read the Bible. So I grew up in a very loving family, but not a, a, a family that followed Jesus. We were culturally Catholic, and, and so we never read the Bible. We would go to church, but, but we never talked about the things of God. We never read the Bible, right? And I remember when I started reading the Bible, I was at Rutgers. It was in those middle years. I was working through a lot of those things because I didn't grow up in the church. I was a, I was a musician, played the electric and upright bass, playing in bands, partying like a maniac because I didn't know the Lord. I didn't know any better, you know, but I was feeling that need for something. And of course, because I had grown up kind of culturally Catholic, I was looking at Buddhism and all these different places. And I never really read the Bible before until I was challenged by, of all people, uh, an adjunct professor at Rutgers, a psych professor, challenged me to read the Bible, to hear the teachings of Jesus. And I remember when I read the Beatitudes for the first time, when I read, blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. I had one recollection. because Nobody talks about meekness anywhere. Like you won't find anything about meekness in our culture except because I was a musician, I remember a song by that provocative American theologian, Frank Zappa. Now, if you know Frank, I'm praying for you. And if you don't, don't Google him. Just, just leave it. But he had a song called the meek shall inherit nothing. And growing up outside of the church, not knowing the scripture, I was just like, what is strange? The meek? I didn't even know what it means. But really what it was, Frank was pushing against this very scripture where Jesus is saying, crazy happy are the people whose strength are under control for they're going to inherit the earth. And Frank's saying, no, no, no. The meek get nothing. Because our culture says that the meek don't get anything. Our culture says, you get to eat what you kill. You get to accomplish whoever you're willing to step over. And Jesus says, no, no, no. Real happiness is when you control that strength. And what I've realized 
in my life is that really learning how to control myself, it's a fruit of the Spirit, right? This fruit of the Spirit is self-control. But for many of us, a lot of our unhappiness is rooted in the fact that we don't know how to control ourselves. You know how it goes. You're cruising down the turnpike. You're in the left lane because you're from New Jersey. That's the quick person lane. And someone's sitting in the left lane. They're not passing anybody. They're just camped out there. And you know what goes on. You get a little closer. You start grumbling. You think, you look, look at the person next. You say, oh, don't they know you're supposed to move over? And before you know it, maybe you flash your lights. Actually, you don't flash your lights. I know what you do. You just zoom around them in the right lane. And what do you do? You glare at them. Guess what? That ain't meekness, my friend. And listen, I'm not preaching down to anyone. I do this all the time. I catch myself doing this. Because meekness is the, is the ability to contain ourselves. It's strength under control. And I always think that Jesus is the ultimate example of meekness. Why? Remember when Jesus was on, remember before they arrested Jesus, when they were coming to arrest him, Peter was like trying to protect Jesus. You know, good old Peter, I love him. Pulls out the sword. He's going to chop off that guy's head. Missed, only got his ear. And Jesus' response to Peter in the midst of all of this was just amazing. He's like, Peter, what are you doing? Put your sword away. Those who live by the sword are going to die by the sword. And, and don't miss, Jesus healed the ear of this guy who Peter wounded with the sword. And Jesus like, Peter, don't you know that if I needed help, I'd ask my father, he'd send a legion of angels. Like, like I don't need your help. And Jesus knew he could do what he needed to do if he wanted to. I think about Jesus on the cross. Remember they were taunting Jesus when they crucified him? If you're the Messiah, come down off the cross. You know that Jesus, being God in the flesh, he could have came down off that cross. But instead, classic meekness. It says, Father, forgive them. They know not what they're doing. And what I love so much about who the Lord is, is the Lord wants to make us more like him. So what would it look like for you to let the Spirit of God cultivate meekness in you? What would it look like for me to let the Spirit of God cultivate meekness in me? You know, my pastor, I love him so much, Pastor John Henry Corcoran, just a great guy, served alongside of him. And, you know, he's from a Tipperary town in Ireland, so he had a great Irish accent. We used to have a blast together because he's Irish and I'm Italian. You put the Irish and the Italian together and you have mayhem. You know, laughing man. But he used to say, Daniel, you know what meek means? I'm like, what? He's like, you take the word and you put a hyphen between the two E's. He's like, meekness is me. Ugh. And I always love that. It's, it's when you get over yourself. When, 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 you're, when, you're not, when you're not overjoyed at everything that you are, you're not like, oh, that's just who I am. Do it. No, it's, it's when you start to not enjoy the parts of your personality that are not like Jesus. And he's like, and then you move through the world with meekness. And I love the fact that meek, the outcome of meekness is inheriting the, the earth. Now, if you might miss the significance of this because the whole Bible is actually rooted in this idea that God has chosen a people for himself, and God has given his people the land, a home. And so, in a lot of ways, the crazy happy or the meek 
for they shall inherit the earth. The idea is the happy people who are meek like Jesus, who have their strength under control, they get to be the recipients of the benefits of the covenant of God, which is a place on the earth to call home. How beautiful is that? So we want to let the Lord cultivate meekness in our lives. Now, that's just the first of the crazy happy ways that God wants us to work. So let's look now at Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. The second one, and the last one that I'll take today, it says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Crazy happy are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Now, I would say it to you this way. God wants to fulfill your truest hunger. God wants to fulfill your truest hunger. Because here's the deal. There is this progression in the Beatitudes because it begins with this poverty of spirit. It begins with humility, right? And because of our poverty of spirit, we mourn, we grieve, we see our own brokenness and the brokenness of the world, right? So humility leads to grieving, and this grieving now leads to meekness, where we're like, we realize that because of our own brokenness and the brokenness of the world, that as we move through the world, we don't want to create more damage, but we want to have our strength under control, right? And ultimately, the humble person who is now grieving at the brokenness of the world is moving in meekness, and then ultimately we begin to desire God's best. We begin to desire all the things that are wrong to be made right. And so you begin to hunger and thirst for righteousness. Now, I think this is really powerful because if you've studied world religions, you realize that this idea of your desires gets a lot of discussion in different world religions, and specifically in, in Buddhism. If you know the Four Noble Truths of Buddhism, you know, first is that life is full of suffering, and the second is that, of course, you know, your desires are what cause you your suffering. So, and I'm not quoting the Buddha because I, I agree with him, but I think it's fascinating that our desires are areas that keep us from God's plan for our happiness. And really, as you look at, you know, the teachings of the Buddha, of course, it ends up becoming that you need to come move to a place where there's detachment and you don't have any desires, but the Bible teaches something really different. The Bible really is saying that ultimately, the key to our hunger and our thirst is to make sure that we hunger and thirst for the right things. And when you hunger and thirst for the right things, something amazing happens. Now, when I always think about hungering and thirsting, I always think, I always think of that great English theologian, Mick Jagger. You guys remember him, right? Don't you love, I call musicians theologians because in a lot of ways, musicians are theologians because they're teaching you how they see the world and oftentimes they're teaching you what they believe about God. And so good old Mick Jagger, that great English theologian, you, you remember that song, you know, I can't get no... You guys know it. Say it. Satisfaction. And then he goes on. He's like, but I try. You guys know the dance? But I try. Could you see Pastor Tim? We need Pastor Tim to do the Mick Jagger dance. But I try. And he's like, I can't get. No, you guys know the song. Did it. I'm a musician. I wish I had my bass here right now. I'd just be like playing it for you guys. But like, I always love that because Mick Jagger is pointing to what this verse is teaching. He's saying, look, 
Everything that I try and do, I try and do everything. I'm Mick Jagger. I got some crazy dance moves, and I got the big lips, and I'm doing my whole thing, and I'm dancing around, and I'm, and I'm on playing stadiums, and I'm with all these people. I know everybody, and I'm wealthy, and I keep trying, but everything that I try, I can't get no satisfaction. Because the thing is, is when we hunger and thirst for the wrong things, sin never satisfies. And all of us have experienced that. I know I have experienced that in my life. Before I came to know Jesus, I tried everything. If I thought it was fun, I would do it. Because I didn't know the Lord. I didn't realize. And I tried all these. I know it was amazing. The Bible proved itself to be true because it says that sin is pleasurable for a season, for a moment. I thought it was fun, but it never fulfilled. No matter how much, how, how many drugs I did, and I did a bunch, no matter how many relationships I was in, when I was playing music, no matter how big the gig was, it didn't matter because after it was over, I was still me and I was still needing the next one. And that's what happens when you seek to make yourself happy by the next thing. And in a lot of ways, when you talk about happiness, the reason our culture leaves us unhappy is because he keeps promising us happiness in places that true fulfillment and happiness can't be found. It's like every advertisement. I love watching advertisements because it gives me like a, 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 a view into our world. Every advertisement is actually a self-salvation plan from some sort of hell. Like, let me give you an example. Like, you know, you know those SUV commercials? Now, don't get me wrong. I like an SUV like the next person. But you know what it is? It's the first scene is you're sitting in traffic, right? And you guys know what that's like. And you're in the city, right? And you're just like, man, and it's miserable and it's hot. But then you, the next scene is you're in that SUV and you're driving on these beautiful mountains, you know? And really what they're saying is if you get this SUV, I'm going to deliver you from mundane traffic hell. Or, of course, there's the cosmetic industry. Listen, I'm nothing against cosmetics. The house needs painting. Paint the house. It's okay. But you know that anti-aging cream? $278. And really what they're offering is they're, they're promising you that if you buy this cream, it's going to save you from wrinkles on your face hell or whatever it is. And in a lot of ways, for all of us, as we're, as we're, as we're nurtured in this environment... We are constantly looking for the next thing to fulfill us. Man, I would just be happy if I get that job. I would just be happy if I get rid of those wrinkles. I'd be happy if I dropped the COVID-17, 19, whatever. You know, if I lost that weight or, man, if I just got that, man, if I got that car, right? Man, if I had that car or, man, if when the kids finally get out of the house or some of you are like, if we finally have kids and some people are like, man, if I get married, I'll be like, when, my, when Jesus takes my spouse home to be with the Lord or whatever it is, right? We, we're always thinking I'll be happy in a change of circumstance. But what I would tell you is all those desires that we have are just echoes of the truest desires that we have. Like, like when you think about not wanting to age, it's about wanting to be eternal. We don't want to be, so, so when I, and I don't knock people not wanting, you know, to age. Like as I'm getting older, I'm getting more gray in my beard. My father likes to tell me that my forehead's getting bigger. You got to love Italian dads, you know, and just tell it like it is. But here's the deal. Like we all long for eternity. 
But those desires, it's an echo for something else. You know, you think about the, 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 the deliverance from the mundane life, how so you could be on the mountaintops. And it's like, yeah, well, you know, we all desire to have a vision of things bigger than what feels like the ho-hum parts of life. When we desire relationships, of course, we all desire intimacy, but it's an echo of a greater desire, a desire for intimacy that is truly intimate, not just physical intimacy, but a soul intimacy that we have with Jesus. And in a lot of ways, you know, this, this beatitude here in, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for all things that are right, for not only God's righteousness, but all the things in our world working together in the way God created them to, with everything flourishing. That's what happens when you move through poverty of spirit and grieving and meekness. You land with, I just want everything to work the way it's supposed to. And then you hunger and thirst for righteousness. And then it says, the person who hungers and thirsts for righteousness shall be filled. And that word filled can also be translated satisfied. And that's really what we all want, isn't it? See, happiness is found in the satisfaction that only comes when we hunger and thirst for all things being right. And when that happens, a person comes to Jesus. And really, our crazy happiness is found as we abide in Jesus, as we see ourselves in Christ as our identity is created by the Spirit of God through the finished work of Jesus. And now all of a sudden, our souls are happy because we're in Christ. And then that frees us up to enjoy life, but not hope that life is going to fulfill us because we've already been satisfied in Jesus. And that's why I say that God loves and wants to fulfill your truest hunger. This reminds me, the psalmist understood this, Psalm 42, verses 1 to 2, where it says, As the deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God, and when shall I come and appear before God? See, the psalmist is writing this beautiful poetry, this beautiful psalm that's saying, as a deer in the wilderness cannot wait for the waters that bring nourishment, quenches the thirst, so my soul, who I am on the inside, longs and pants for you, O God. My, my soul longs for God. Our souls, the deepest part of who we are, thirst for God, who's the living God. And I'm here to tell you, in the book of Ecclesiastes, the preacher there says that God has placed eternity in every one of our hearts. And I realize that every one of you right now at Liquid Church, whether you're online or in one of the campuses, God has placed eternity in each one of your hearts. And each one of you is on a different step of your faith journey. For some of you have been walking with Jesus for a long time, but you know deep down, even though you know him, your soul is longing for him. You want to know more of him. Like a deer in, in, in the wilderness, you just want to be in the presence of God. And so many things are battling against that. But others of you right now, you're just at liquid, you're just checking Jesus out. Maybe you're there because you think someone's someone who you're really interested in. You're like, man, I just want to know them better. But really deep down, your soul is thirsty for the things of God. And you will never know true satisfaction until you put your faith and trust in Jesus. Because crazy happy 
is the person who hungers and thirsts for righteousness. And I really believe that in the Beatitudes, this fourth Beatitude is the lever. You're going to see as you move on in this series, you look at the rest of the Beatitudes, you're going to see how once a soul is satisfied as it's hungered and thirsted for righteousness and come to know Jesus, now all of the crazy happy attributes begin to change. Things like being pure in heart, being merciful. You know, all these other beatitudes, all of a sudden, everything, you become a peacemaker. You even begin to rejoice in persecution. Why? Because God has satisfied that truest hunger. And here's what I want to say to you. As someone who's been down these roads, I mean, everyone's story is their own. But what I have learned is that in our lives, we can use all different things to try and bring satisfaction to our souls. Relationships, success, change of scenery. We use material things, right? And what I have found is that really we're looking for happiness in the wrong places. And only when our hearts are satisfied in Jesus, when that happens, then God frees us up to truly enjoy these different things. Like God has given us work as a gift. You don't believe me? Read Genesis chapter 2. But work can become a terrible slave driver if we remove it from the satisfaction that comes from Jesus. When you see your vocation as a calling, now it's just not about the paycheck. It's not about all these different things. Even though you guys remember Jerry Maguire, right? Good old Tom Cruise. You complete me, right? Many of us have made that mistake, looking to a significant other to complete us, only to find that they don't. But I'm here to tell you, when you are hoping your sweetie completes you, you set them up for failure. Jesus completes you. But again, even though it made for a great moment, and every, everybody want, like every woman wants a guy say, you complete me. No, no, Jesus completes you. And that person's not meant to be your completion. They're meant to be your companion that you travel through life with. But if you're looking for them to complete you, you set them up for failure because that's not what they were created for. But when you have been satisfied in Jesus, then you free them to be your companion, to be not, not just exist to fill your holes, but now you walk through life together. See, and I could do this with you all day. But what I want to tell you is anytime you do not allow Jesus to satisfy the deepest longings and hungers that you have, you're always going to try and fit something else in there. And when you do, you're actually going to choke out the enjoyment that God created that thing for. And I've done that in every area of my life. But I'm so grateful that along life's way, Jesus entered my life. I'll never forget it. I was in my college years at Rutgers. It's amazing, you know, getting saved at Rutgers University. It's a novel story in a lot of ways. My mother, who I love so much, had gotten sick with cancer. It's like the, the end of my first year of college. You know, and, and an all-Italian mom, I mean, like, you know, if, if moms were the glue, my mom was like some industrial-grade Depart Department of Defense super glue. She's just that kind of person. She got sick, and it was rough, and she went into remission. But I'll never forget, but she passed away just two years later. I was uh, 20, almost 21 years old at the time. 
and I lost my mom and I was really struggling because like now my mom was gone and I, I remember cracking open a red Gideon's Bible that my mom had brought home from the hospital that she would have me read to her. I remember reading to her Psalm 23 and John 14 to try and comfort her in some of those tough days. And it's the first time I ever remember reading the Bible. But I remember reading that Bible. And at that time, I was pursuing music uh, in school. and I was going to do it as a career. And, and, and I remember when I started reading that Bible and meeting Jesus. And I remember finally, for the first time in my life, things started to make sense to me. Like, I was never going to be fulfilled by music. I love playing it. But when you live or die by how well you played, it just sucks all the enjoyment out of it. And every relationship that I had had, because I was looking for people to complete me, they were never going to do that. But Jesus entered my life as I read that Bible. And I gave my life to him. And I'm here to tell you now, some 23 years later, every single day, Jesus is inviting me into the abundant life. And I don't think, I'm not unique in that way. Jesus is inviting each one of you right now into this crazy, happy life, the abundant life. And when you hunger and thirst for righteousness, Jesus will satisfy the soul that is hungry for him. And when that happens, beautiful things happen. And I am so excited as you are all there at Liquid Church on that crazy, happy journey. And I want you to put your faith and trust in Jesus. If you already know him, listen. Listen. Cling to him. Abide in him. With the knobs on your side of the wall, make sure that you are allowing Jesus to do what he wants to do. You're taking those steps of faith. Like I know right now for you guys at Liquid Church, right now as things are reopening, it's time for you to begin to re-engage in serving at your local church, getting engaged. You know, and, and, and right now, there are some of you right now that Jesus is inviting you and you're like, maybe should I, should I do this? Yes, you should. Because Jesus meets us on those steps of faith. And if you're watching this right now and you're not yet a follower of Jesus, I'm here to tell you, no matter where you've been or what you've done, Jesus is inviting you. And if you come to Jesus, if you hunger and thirst for what is right. When you say yes to Jesus, you will be filled, satisfied in him. And Jesus will lead you into the crazy happy journey. So Liquid Church, thanks so much. Let's bow our heads and our hearts. Let's pray together. Father, I ask your blessing upon Liquid Church, upon the entire staff, upon Pastor Tim and Colleen, their leadership. God, I ask that by your grace, you would lead them to you, Jesus, that every soul might be satisfied as they hunger and thirst for righteousness. And Jesus, I ask that you would continue to be lifted up in their midst. And God, I ask that you would continue to use Liquid Church in the most mighty of ways. Lord, I know you have big things in front of them right now. And I know you have exceeding abundant plans for them as a church family. And God, we just ask that you would pour out your spirit, pour out your grace upon each person. 
And God, we ask for a revival of biblical proportions to blow over New Jersey, my home state, where I'm from, the New York metropolitan area. God, I ask that there would be a post-COVID revival in the Northeast that would reach us all the way out here in the Pacific Northwest in Vancouver, Washington, that we would get the, the, the overflow of the work that you want to do. And God, thank you for your spirit who wants to make us crazy happy. And I ask it all in Jesus' name. And we all agreed and said together, amen and amen. Liquid Church, God bless you. Thanks so much. Thank you for joining us today. If you want to check out Liquid Church for a weekend service, small group outreach, or clean water trip, you can find out more about us online at liquidchurch.com. And if you enjoyed the podcast, go ahead and subscribe or share it with your friends. Thanks again for listening.